Hi, I'm Kim Salmon, and I'd like to invite you to join me and my psychedelic sidekick, Dr. Gonzo, on a musical exploration here and on this one's introduced by on Community Radio 3CR. Dr. Gonzo, and this one's introduced by is a 60-minute program where we listen to tracks from an album introduced by the artist who made the album. Thanks for listening, and this one's introduced by Dr. Gonzo is extremely happy to host musician Kim Salmon, who's introducing the tracks from Negativity, the latest scientist's album, on this week's edition of And This One's Introduced By. Kim has, of course, worked with an absolute plethora of musicians and groups, some of which are the Beats of Bourbon, the Surrealists, Darling Downs with the sadly departed Ron S. Pino, Spencer P. Jones, Salmon with Penny Eichinger, Matt Walker, Claire Moore and Dave Graney. Kim was born in Perth and at 19 years of age was playing in a cabaret covers band called Troubled Waters in a strip club in Fremantle. Kim Salmon played in a variety of local bands including the Cheap Nasties who turned into the Mannequins after he left eventually forming the Scientists in 1979. In 1981... The band moved to Sydney and released the formative single This Is My Happy Hour, backed by Swampland on Agogo Records, and in 1984 the scientists moved to London for three years. The scientists have released eight studio albums, four live recordings, eight compilations and numerous single and EP releases. The latest album, their first in 30 years, Negativity, is available through US label In The Red. Kim Salmon joins Dr. Gonzo to present Negativity by the Scientists on And This One's Introduced By on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Kim Salmon, uh, probably best known from a band from the 1980s and late 70s called The Scientists. It doesn't actually have a definite article in front of it, it's actually Scientists at least the second version of the band, the Mark II Scientists, is, um, has or doesn't have. But um, I'd like to talk about the latest scientist album, Negativity, which I suppose is a, one of, it's that curious thing, a Reformation album. It was one, it's something that um, we resisted because we uh, um, disintegrated in the uh, late... 1980s and decided that we wouldn't uh, that bands doing comeback albums wasn't a good thing but eventually the demand was just so massive <laughs> um, well there was a there was a demand anyway that we decided it was worth having a go at and we did do some preparation anyway I'm going to go through the tracks one by one and uh, talk you through them all now the first thing I've got to say is uh, this band um, back in the 1980s had a very particular kind of chemistry that 
was peculiar to us, and I know every band says that. For us, it was a lot to do with the groove. It was the drummer Brett Rickson's groove that uh, was sort of the linchpin of the songs and the sound of the band when we first formulated the this version of the band. Uh, he and I um, would jam out a lot on our own and uh, we sort of worked on it because I had this idea and then um, then Boris and Tony came along and then we uh, that became the Mark II Scientists, the one, the band that did Swampland and We Had Love and Blood Red River and all that stuff. So um, eventually though in the 1980s what happened was um, our drummer Brett, or Brett, you know, he, he, he decided to leave when we were just starting to make headway in England, uh, doing tours around Europe, had um, various US labels and UK labels banging at our door, uh, wanting to sign us, and um, everything kind of went a bit weird. Uh, he, he left, and we tried a number of drummers, they're all very good. There was a guy from Pill, there was a guy from Motorhead, there was uh, another guy from um, Chicago. Um, there was lots of people. Not Chicago, the band, of course, <laughs> um, from the, the city of Chicago. And uh, but it never quite worked. It was we could never quite get it happening. And it wasn't until um, our tour manager Leanne Chock was her name then, but um, she became. In recent times, Leanne Cowie, um, she was our tour manager um, and she got it, took it onto herself to buy Brett Rickson's drum kit and teach herself to play. Um, and all she really knew, of course, was what she'd seen him do. So that was all that there was. And um, eventually my wife, Linda, who managed the band for a period, very spinal tap, she... Um, said you guys are utter utter bastards you know Leanne would do anything for you guys and she's learned to play the drums and she can do anything and you know you should give her a chance so we um, auditioned her and she was crap but <laughs> it sounded like the scientists again and uh, we thought oh well it doesn't matter um, musicianship's not what it's about it's rock and roll so um, we had just been offered a tour across the um along the UK with Susie and the Banshees and um her first gig was on that tour in one of the roughest places in Glasgow called Barrowlands so her first gig was us being um subjected to a whole lot of angry angry Glaswegians that just wanted to see the Banshees having to put up with this Aussie punk rock band and uh, who sounded really kind of um sloppy and unmusical and our ploy was to sidetrack um, the audience with our punk antics. And this sort of was the way it went all through the tour until by the end of the tour she was a good drummer and could kind of not just replicate the vibe of Brett, which she could do from the start, but, but do it well um, and in time, which was probably more than Brett could do. <laughs> so um, so that's that's the band that um, recorded the album Weird Love back at the end of the band's existence in 1985 or 6 it was um 
and um, that was uh, sort of the album that kicked off the Numero, the recent Numero back catalogue um, reissue series. So that's there's your background. That's uh, the Mark II scientists with Leanne Cowie playing drums because I guess the whole thing was other drummers brought something that the body rejected and Leanne was like an organ transplant that wasn't really a transplant, it was somebody that was compatible. So there you go. So now we begin with negativity. The first track, Outsider, I guess um, what I was thinking was, um, this is one of those rare instances when the lyrics come first for me. Generally it's sort of the music and I kind of make something up along with it and then the band piles on. But this one was um, me. I, I kind of thought the idea of the outsider, an outsider, has a few things. It's cause an outsider can be somebody that's kind of like a savant, or it could be somebody that's not part of something. They're outside looking in. or they're, um, So I thought that that kind of was something that... Uh, uh, as a as a member of this this obscure band, the scientists, something I could relate to. Um, there was a you know there's a certain naivety in it. I guess me knowing about it though takes that away from it, so it's not really. But nonetheless, this is a song um, that was the idea of it. Um, I think the lyrics are "Love me for my innocence, my cognitive dissonance," and so on and so on. Really, I just sang the thing to myself and imagined a beat and a and a kind of vibe to it. So um, and just got a guitar and sang that thing and then uh, presented it to the band and that's how it came out. So that's not usually how the scientists operate. We had we did a a, um, a film clip of it and it's kind of got the same look as our record cover. It's all wavy and distorted. We're all wavy and distorted. It's another way of describing the scientists, I think. Love me for my innocence My cognitive dissonance Embrace all my artistic crimes Ignoring all my real crimes You I think I'm innocent Yeah, I'm filled with so much guilt I'm an outsider It's just something that I did And it had no meaning then I'm an outsider Thought I was in the in crowd But that would never be allowed Won't you please let me inside Won't you let me see inside I'm an outsider Yeah, no, yeah, no I'm an outsider 
cognitive dissonance Embrace all my artistic crimes Ignoring all my real crimes The next song, Make It Go Away, is a really good example of um, the, the kind of chemistry, if, if you will, that the band employs, or works on, I should say. Um, I'd, over the last few years, realised that uh, if we're going to um, successfully um, get those two-note riffs and make them into something. We need a, we need that kind of drumming. And um, unfortunately, Leanne's a really good um, drummer, but she's not really a muso, so she doesn't jam. Actually, I don't think any of the rest of the band do either. I remember Tony saying, to, when I once said about jamming something out, he said, I don't jam. So um, Leanne doesn't jam either so um but um if you want somebody to play a scientific beat she's the best person for it so um how do i get around this problem of um that groove and i kind of i kind of understood it i felt so i i um, taught myself to play the drums in recent times i'm still probably the world's worst drummer but i, I know how to get a scientist groove happening and um what I would do is I would just jam to myself and when I felt like I got something, I'd memo it on my iPhone and then send it off to Tony. Now, when you back in the day, I used to write all the stuff and uh, then credit the band when they jammed, which they didn't do. If they came up with something good, they'd get a credit. It was sort of how we wrote, wrote but essentially I wrote the stuff. I'd written, I'd run out in those days, probably about 1987, I probably wrote as many two-note riffs, two or three-note riffs as I could. I'd run out of them. So I handballed that job to Tony, who, um, uh, Tony Thewlis, who is a brilliant guitar player, but completely untrained and uh, um, wants to remain that way, but uh, can probably play, you know, you could probably give him any any song and he'd know what the chords were better than I could um, and his guitar playing is probably more melodic than my kind of bluesy I like to say jazzy but um, it's probably just bluesy sort of stylings um, he um, I get I gave I sent I sent my beats over to him and this was like one of the first ones and he came back with a quasi beef heart type thing and uh, I thought that's great. This is going to work. This is going to and and um, but he said it just seems to go on. It needs some change. I can't think where to do it. So I kind of 
eventually figured out um, a turnaround, what you could do, and um, wrote some words. And the words, generally what I do is I uh, I just sing what comes to my head. And if it's, um, if it's, they're usually, you know, they call them placeholder lyrics. But generally I can't get them out of my head <laughs> once I've done them. That's it. <laughs> so, um, and the first thing I sang was make it go away. Actually, the first thing I sang wasn't Make It Go Away. That was just like the thing I came to. The first thing I sang was Don't You Love The Form? And uh, that made me think, okay, you, don't you love the form? You've got to fill them out all the damn time, you know? Or it could be a form guide. But it was like an enemy. So I wrote this song about that. And then we'd go to that change, which is kind of like a strange major seven. Well, I'm getting technical here. Sort of, I don't know vaguely goes into an almost Neil Young vibe, I would say. And uh, um, once we got onto that, Tony was off. So the way we would construct these songs, once I'd get the groove um, off to Tony and he'd send me back the riff and then we'd construct a song, was he, because when I say send it over to Tony, Tony lives over in London and uh, Leanne lives up in Sydney and at that time so did Boris. So we were all over the place. So I would um, get Leanne and Boris to come down and then we'd um, knock the songs into shape. You see, that's not really jamming. So um, basically, Le uh, Leanne and Boris would rewrite <laughs> what Tony had into a song that they could play <laughs> that suited them. So, so that's the songwriting method of um, negativity. Um, the singer thinks up the drum beat... <laughs> Sends the sends it over to the guitar player who makes up a riff, and then I make up some words and then uh, hand it to Leanne and Boris, and they <laughs> chop it up and make it into a song. So that was the way that went.
Naysayer is the next song on negativity. Now, um, Tony Thewlis has a penchant for James Bond riffery. Somehow, he, um, when we deconstructed You Only Live Twice back in 1985, ever since then he's thought that uh, Bond was part of our oeuvre. So, um, you know, I wondered about that. Um, and I naturally, when I got this strange riff that was in 7-4 timing, it was bizarre. And yes, it sounded very like a, like James Bond soundtrack music. I was thinking, what? He's, he really does think this about James Bond. He thinks I'm bloody John Barry or something. Okay. And I, I thought, you know, at first I thought, oh, damn, what am I going to do? Okay. But then I thought, you know what? I can make something, and I actually just, I thought that the, if I could sing this riff that he had, actually write notes to that, that would be quite a hook. So it was this riff that went, blah, 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 na, 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 really quite a strange spy riff that had lots of notes in it. So um, I um, came up with, why don't you trust me, I know what I'm doing, just because you can't see the things I'm pursuing. And then I kind of moved it around a little bit and uh, 
that's how we got um, naysayer. I just somehow came up with the idea of saying naysayers. There's always been naysayers around the world and around the place, and it's particularly with regard to the scientists. I'll leave that with you. Next song on negativity, Safe. Same method as the other ones. Um, I sent this drum beat and got this thing back that um, from Tony that to me was somewhere between Pill and Susie Quattro, which I thought that's kind of scientific. Safe is about um, particular 
security firms that are employed to make people in audiences feel safe and doing ones that do the exact opposite of that. There are instances of this. So I just told a couple of stories that had happened to me and um, my partner um, and um, just some, you know, things where uh, a woman going to a, at a particular club, um, going outside for a cigarette and then um, being told she's too drunk to be inside and um, phoning me up to say, can you come out and help me out? And then I'm going out and they, they're telling, the security is telling me to leave, go away from the building and we've got our stuff in it. And I've heard this story from number, you know, some various places that I won't name uh, a few times and <laughs> it's, it's a travesty and it does not make you feel safe. It, it, it's, it's, it puts people, makes people very vulnerable and it's the irony of, security being employed to do such a thing you know to to uh, make people feel safe but uh, instead have this boy misogynistic boys club that uh, makes people feel unsafe and i also harked back to um an incident back in the 1980s where the band got into a scuffle with the security by accident because we didn't know it was the security um and it was at the Melkweg in amsterdam i can name names here <laughs> as in the club. Um, 1985, Brett Rickson was still in the band, but he'd safely gone home. He thought, bugger it. Un uncharacteristically, he wasn't out tying one on. So Brett, um, well, he was, wasn't with us. Uh, I was on the way out, and I saw Tony and Boris engaged in a tete-a-tete -tete with um, some locals, um, it seemed to be in fun at first, but they were kind of cracking jokes about kangaroos, which is fairly unimaginative. You could think, you know, and Boris was taking particular issue. He's saying, come on, you can do better than that. Come on. It's being, being like me saying, wooden shoes, wooden shoes. And it kind of escalated a little bit. And then Boris went in there. You know, thought, right, that's it. Um, because it was getting rather hostile, but uh, he, he took the initiative to maybe get in there and initiate a bit of biffo. <laughs> and uh, Tony and I naturally thought, okay, we better get in and help our mate. And the next thing you know, big scuffle, Tony gets punched in the nose. We all get hosed out with their fire hose because it turns out these guys are the security. So I, um, these, two, these two stories make up the song Safe. Uh, yeah, it's the song is basically um, just Tony on guitar. I don't even bother playing any guitar on it, and that um, biffo sounding beat, and us going the band singing safe, and uh, I, I'm telling the story. Back in. My guy, he came to see what was going on. 
told him leave the place. He told him leave the place. Come on make me feel. Come on and make me feel. Safe. Come on and make me feel. Come on and make me feel. Safe. Who are these trolls calling us names and jeer at us? We played inside their lair, but we took their bait. But it turns out they had a job to do It's called security The keepers of the gate Into the Milky Way So they hose us down Into the freezing snow With their fire hose Into the Milky Way With their fire hose In the freezing snow In the freezing snow Come out make me feel Safe Come out and make me feel Safe Make me think feel Providing your security and protection too, and protection too. The racket in the venue isn't rock and roll, or alternative, just not rock and roll. Just great goons, thugs and predators. It's like an altamont, but what's it gonna do? You gotta feel safe, it's called security. It's called security, so what's it gonna do? Wanna make it feel? Come on and make me feel safe. Come on and make me feel. How you gonna make us feel safe? I went and had a bag, they wouldn't let me back. They called security, I didn't have a phone. Somebody felt my ass, I called security. They said that I was drunk, they said that I was drunk. I thank you to myself, it's called security. They said that I was drunk. I couldn't go back in I didn't have my cash, I didn't have my card They were still inside, they wouldn't let me back Come on and make me feel 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 Come on Move outside of the building You're calling me a dickhead. You're a dickhead. Safe. Ooh. Ooh. Come on. Ow. Safe. Come on and make us feel. Come on and make us feel. Ow. Come on and make us feel. Come on and make us feel. Safe. Make us come and feel. You're gonna make a feel What you're gonna make it feel Come on Come on Come on What you The next song on negativity is Magic Pants Now um I guess we've all had an item of clothing that appeared to be magic. Or, you know, you, you go to the op shop or you buy it somewhere and it fits just right and it makes you look good, you know, you really feel good in it. And one day um, back in the 90s, um, I, my 
wife and her best friend and I were in a um, and her best friend was a female as well. So they were we were all in an op shop in Fitzroy somewhere, and uh, the um, my wife and her friend said to me, "Hey Kim, I really think you should look at these." And they were a pair of jumbo cords. They were sort of hipsters and they were flared with, you know, big wide belt loops. And jumbo cords, like they were an inch wide. Those ones that had the double width, there was like an inch wide and then a centimetre wide um, cords. And they were in gold. So um, I um, I looked at them and think, you know, they were pretty outrageous, outlandish, I think. And I looked at them thinking, ooh. I think, do you really think I should wear these? Do you think I should buy these? And the, both of them looked at me and shook, um, nodded their heads and said, yes, I really think you should. So I put them on and um, I thought, yes, these are really good. And what would happen is I'd go out in these things, you know, late at night and they would back basically... I, I would have to... <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go to trouble not to be taken home by various people. It was like instant chatter. These these pants had magic powers. They were just like, um, you know, and they, they seemed to be, you know, they were just, um, everybody always got a compliment. That, that was the least of it. They were called, yeah, I just called them my magic pants. And, um, you know, I can, I can remember I wore them to New York when the Beasts of Bourbon first went to... Um, Oh, we went over there to, um, I can't even remember the name of the festival, but anyway, we went and did that, And uh, but I was, I walked in and Perkins, he's there with his, he's videoing everything and he said, he's there going, whoa, look at these, you know, um, and he's filming me up and down my legs and these things and saying, there's nothing else in the world. And it was just, it would all, they'd instigate, they were, there's such something about these pants. But um, one day, you know, because nothing lasts forever and they might have been washed too many times, the cords started to get the look of terry toweling. They got that look that cord gets when it gets a bit old. And I remember walking into a band room in the, with them on and uh, there were a couple of girls in there and it was quite the opposite reaction to what... I would have expected a year or two before. <laughs> they looked at them and said, Oh, yuck, what's he wearing? <laughs> and they went to the opposite side of the band room. <laughs> so it was a bit like, um, it's a fable. It was like a fable. They'd lost their magic. It was um, like a film called The Man in the White Suit. I'll, le- I'll leave that with you. You can look that up. Those pants were magic They took me places They made the statements I couldn't back up I couldn't back down I just went with them I was forgiven I just go out and the dialogue would be on They were so golden I was the king and the queen 
to talk about the song 17 which closes side one of negativity now this one 17 i guess what i'm doing is i am singing to my 17 year old self it's that thing of what would you say to your 21 year old self or to your young self this is about being 17 I guess. I guess that's what it is. But it's in it, knowing and looking back. And, you know, I say, I just look 17 in the eyes and you ain't seen nothing yet. That should tell you what it's about. Um, it's kind of also a story about being young, but having been around the block, supposedly. almost It almost alludes to reincarnation, but it's that idea when you get some people and they're an old soul already. It's... Um, I'm not getting into this, you know, necessarily, you know, idea that we've all been here before, but I don't really think you can say anything does or doesn't exist in that way. Maybe it does. I don't think we know anything, really. Um, it's all possible. We're in an infinite universe and all that. So um, it's about the idea that perhaps you'd been kind of there before in some kind of way there's some whether it's in the dna or whether it is more spiritual than that but um so but or it is just that idea of what would you say with the knowledge you've had all your life back to your young self so that's 17 and it it seemed to be a um salient point because there's the scientists and it's this young band that uh from the 80s that people you know, we're, we're trying to kind of 
resurrect almost and uh, knowing that um, what what happens of course is you come back and people say they, they say oh what about new material and of course you say yeah yeah if we did that you're going to just say oh what about swampland what about we had love that's what people defer to they revert back to always so you're always up against that when you've got when you're doing your kind of comeback albums which we're doing so it's a bit about that too it's about us um, being old souls now you know in our 50s and 60s kind of looking back it's when we were younger I'm Kim Salmon, and you're listening to, and this one's introduced by, 
where the artist introduces tracks from their album here on 3CR. I'm now going to turn the record over. We're going to the first song on side two. First song being The Science of Suave. Now that's definitely a Tony riff. You can hear the James Bond oozing out of it. It's uh, And um, I think I actually had different words when I sent the groove over to him. I was there playing the drums and yelling out something. I think I was singing Done Like a Dinner. <laughs> and he's, he sent it back, this riff, this James Bond riff. And when I heard it, the riff with the drums, I don't know, I kind of... I was thinking about the scientists. Uh, Boris used to be called the Suave Slav. This was in the days when Yugoslavia... Well, it was called Yugoslavia rather than, you know, Croatia and uh, <laughs> Serbia and Montenegro and or whatever. Um, you know, it was... Um, that was his name. And I remember, you know, we, this, the band was very much about the idea of suaveness in a funny sort of a way, of course. There's a certain amount of irony to it, but we did like to think of ourselves as suave. And then um, I think it was um, after... We had um, imploded, and I saw that film Blue Velvet, which struck so many chords with me. Not the chords like in Magic Pants, but um, actual guitar chords. I think we were on the same wavelength as David Lynch, and uh, or a similar one. Um, uh, but there was there was um, Frank saying to the Dean Stockwell character. How did you get so fucking suave? And um, I just thought, yes. How did I ever get so fucking suave? I thought, that's the song about the scientists. And I um, allude to other bands. So I go to to Ferry, which is where all that punk kind of started. You know, it was after Brian Ferry and Bowie and all that. So I thought, to Ferry, I threw across No Mercy nor grainy interior or cave, their threads all in tatters that no narrative could ever save. So just a bit of a nod and a um, to the rivalry between bands and, at the time. I mean, we obviously weren't <laughs> rivals of Roxy Music, but we all owed something to Roxy Music. But um, just that idea of suaveness that uh, Dave Grainy and... Uh, Nick Cave and us, we all sort of swam around. That is the science of suave. A bit of gang rivalry going on there. Get so fucking suave No 
got um, the next song on negativity I wasn't good at picking friends I received the riff from Tony what was he I wonder what he had in mind but um, what I heard was something like that green tambourine that had that vibe and for some reason I had a chorus in my head that was beware the Ides of March that somehow had this kind of progression, the little bit that was like my green tambourine or something like that. I just somehow, was it the Lemon Pipers that did that song? I don't know, but it was 
it just made me think of green tambourine and but i thought by um singing about the ides of march that's 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 literally the first thing that came to me and it struck me that i needed a chorus there a female chorus like um but then i thought well the ides of march is um you're talking about um roman stuff there and choruses like in greek tragedies well they're greek but um i still thought a chorus as per a greek tragedy but for this song i thought we'd talk about well the ides of march I'd, yeah there, there's this song i so i thought about julius caesar so i imagined him as being some kind of modern day gangstery type out of a scorsese film talking about being double crossed and uh, that's what the song's about really it's um, him looking at brutus in his last moments so that's i wasn't good at picking friends so there you go that tells you everything i don't know if it's so good to explain these songs i don't think i could possibly explain everything about these songs anyway i think they're um inexplicable Cleopatra had a trick I wasn't one you bunch of dicks I thought it was a royal mix But fun so screw the politics You think I got some crazy visions I wouldn't have one in a bit you think I made some bad decisions? I put it to you, that's a cross. I wasn't good at picking friends. You know I never would have bought it. That it might buy me in the end. So Brutus, you're not such a rock. Right. It's all now flowing through my brain And this my final thought It's Flowing down that Roman drain with my blood I never caught it As much As much I wasn't good at picking friends You know I never would have bought it But it might buy me in the end So Brutus you're not such a rock
The next song on negativity is a song called Moth Eaten Velvet. And once again, this gives you the title kind of is the key. So Tony Thewlis sends me a pastiche of the Velvet Underground, he says. He's worried that it is a pastiche of the Velvet Underground, but he thinks, you know, maybe we can do something. And he calls it Moth-Eaten Velvet. And I hear it, and I hear, yes, it's a little bit too like the Velvet Underground. It's, it's you know, it's, it, and the Jesus and Mary chain, perhaps. And it's sort of, I, I felt that there was too much going on with his guitar playing. But I heard some, but I liked it. There was definitely, it was a very cool melody going on there. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sing that melody. So I sang his guitar melody and um, I really stripped down. I just kind of made a two-note bass riff or a two-chord bass riff and underpinned the song on that and just thought that we would have as little of the music spelling out what the chords are as possible so I between myself and Tony with his um, slide guitar you get the whole of the chord you don't get it without without both of us playing and there are little minor chords there's sometimes as um, at various parts of the song the chord will be major but then it'll revert to minor um, just by changing a you know flattening a note so um, so it's kind of got an involved structure, the way it works, but we don't show it. It's there. It's kind of, you can only, it, it's not all spelled out. I'm spelling it out here now. Nobody will believe me. So the name of it he put on his little um, MP3 for me to listen to was Moth Eaten Velvet. And it made me think, yes, the word, the word's shelvet. Rhyme with velvet, and I just thought of a little box of moth-eaten velvet and all our, all our old memories. I thought a sad song about the old days. Once again, you know, we're talking about seventeen. Another one alluding to the fact that we're not that band; we're a modern version of it. But here we are talking about. Um, I don't know. I didn't think too hard about it. That was part of it and the other thing is I only want a friend I just came up to it and it just seems like a a really sad song there was something about it that was um, very sad and it's that thing we have a heavy band and they have a ballad on the oh, they always have a ballad you know Sabbath they had uh, you know I'm feeling happy I'm feeling happy I'm feeling sad that song whatever it was Led Zeppelin you know <laughs> they went a bit far with the ballads I thought but um Anyway, um, they just went, you know, half acoustic-y, but uh, not us. But um, we got our ballad here, our power ballad. Um, so there you have Moth Eaten Velvet. Um, we even thought, let's put some strings on it. And when we recorded it, actually came to doing it, Tony and I spent <laughs> the pair of us... We spent a couple of nights with a bottle of whiskey <laughs> trying to nut out some string parts um, and eventually uh, we got some 
violinists and a, a viola player. So um, it was um, Bron Henderson. Um, she was in from um, The Spoils, my booker, his band, his partner, Bron Henderson, was like the lead violinist. So we got um, her mate and we also got a viola player. It was Cat Mears from um, Cash Savage. So um, we got them in and I think um, they, <laughs> Tony and I, and um, our producer for this track, Miles Mumford, who has a background in classical music. He's actually a trombone player himself. He was at, we're, we're between us, we're able to kind of construct an arrangement for um, the strings for Moth Eaten Velvet, which is kind of a lot of fun and half of what the song is somehow. Yeah. 
It's Kim here talking about um, Negativity, the comeback album by the scientists. And uh, I might the um, penultimate song, Dissonance. I came up with this particular drum pattern when I was... Uh, at work, because I teach music at uh, JMC Academy and um, I spend all day in a room waiting for my students to show up. It's a one-on-one -on -one lesson <laughs> and uh, quite often they don't show up. And there's always a, there's a couple of amps and there's a, a drum kit set up. And this was incidentally where I um, taught myself to play the drums, by the way. Uh, in the last few years uh, at JMC. So I um, there'd be this drum kit set up and I came up with a... I felt like a, almost like a swing drum part, but um, it was sort of ha like a pressed roll and it done in a, to a swing beat. And um, I'm kind of a bit nuts for the hi-hat, so that's what I fancy. It's a little a bit like a, something that you might... Well, I'm deluded, aren't I? I'm no Gene Krupa. But anyway, this was the beat I came up with, and the song is... Um, we used a dissonant chord, basically. It's sort of what you get when you get two notes that are adjacent, like you get, I think, oh, I can't even remember what they are. Tony, what are they? When you get a two notes that are like um, right next to each other, but you play them together... And they make a warbly sound. They, they so the notes beat against each other. They sort of like some kind of wave cancellation goes on. So it creates a sort of a throbbing effect. And if you put distortion on the notes and their low notes, it becomes very pronounced. It's almost like an effect. So this song is basically just blasts of this dissonant chord with that drum beat. And it seemed enough enough to me to have a song about that idea, dissonance. And I just so it's me talking about the word the oh the, just dis what dissing is. You know, dissing means putting hanging shit on something, isn't that? Isn't that if I'm allowed to use the, the word on this station? It's uh, about the idea of negativity. So I talk about dis my negativity. So it's where the song title comes from. The, not the song title, the album title, negativity. So I just basically, it's a list, a list of all the ideas about negativity and dissing. I just thought it was a bit of fun. But <laughs> whether it sounds that way, it probably sounds like the artiest, most experimental track on the album. Pun intended. Uh, that, so that's Dissonance. <laughs> Approval. Meet my 
Angel Meet my Stance Meet my Guys Meet my Engagement Meet my Grace This is My default stop This is The way This and the right They're always right This and the left They're always left This and your fucked up point of view This and how it's sucked up in you This my negativity It ain't no nativity This and every other band This and all things out of hand This missing, disengaging Disrespected, dislocated Dissing it all, dissing it out This is my dissertation Finally, we come to the last track. This is Kim Salmon here. I've been talking to you, talking through each of the tracks from the latest album from The Scientist's Negativity. And this final track, it's called Outer Space Boogie. Now, I guess it is just one of those things. I always wanted a boogie beat. And um, I kind of managed to teach myself to play one because it's a shuffle beat, they call it. It's like, you know, I'm trying to think. Think of all the songs, you know, at varying tempos. You know, you've got Spirit in the Sky, you've got Lagrange, you've got uh, Black Knight by Deep Purple. It just, it, it's um, all of those heavy metal kind of um, things that, um, you know, probably Joker and the Thief, things like Uriah Heep. There's a real tradition in metal but a tradition in rock boogie woogie sort of like 12 uh, is it eight to the bar or 12? It's, it's like you get one two three one two three one two three one two three so you're kind of doing this kind of compound timing thing where you're sort of playing three four very fast but you're also playing in four four and that's kind of what boogie is so i wanted to write a drum a boogie beat and um so when it came to actually singing something to this thing it 
just struck me that, I, I don't know, I was just saying, come on, let's boogie to that beat. And uh, that's the way the song came out, really. It was sort of, I kind of thought, come on, let's boogie all night long. And then I kind of took it to the idea that all night long could be you're out in space where, you know, you don't, where the night just is forever. And that made me think of the alien and, you know, you kinda, nobody can hear you scream. And I just thought of, well, there's a bit of a double entendre about screaming and boogieing and... Uh, um, I just sort of went with it in this song, and it, so it's kind of um, it just you got it outer space boogie. It's totally the, what the scientists are about, and I thought you know that's the um, fitting end for that album.
been a pleasure talking to you all about negativity and um, I hope you go away with some of that negativity absorbed from you feeling a little bit positive thanks for listening to an episode of and this one's introduced by I'm Dr Gonzo and I'll be presenting another artist with another album next time on this one's introduced by Catch you next time.
Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. Please support Community Radio 3CR. Get involved and find out more on the website at 3cr.org.au. I hope you enjoyed Kim Salmon introducing songs from the Scientist's album Negativity. Have you ever visited Australia's Amazon rainforest, Takana, Tarkin, in Tasmania, unfortunately being destroyed by logging? Visit Bob Brown's website for more information, bobbrown.org.au. Shane Howard from Goanna Band has recently released a song about one of the wonders of the world, Takana. Shane Howard. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr Gonzo. Until next time. Thunder rolls across the valley Birds announce the coming rain Swaying trees herald a warning The storm is gathering again Drifting mist, towering forests Middens line these restless shores In a world that's fully living There's rivers running through folklore Chikaina May your nature still remain Chikaina And the sacred you contain May your nature and your mystery still remain We were made out of this country From the stories and the songs Forever here in reverence We knew the right way to belong But the ravages would come They would have you bought and sold With dreams of industry and empire And a fool's pursuit of gold Nature still remain to and the sacred you contain. May your nature and your mystery still remain.
May you stay this way forever Full of awe and majesty Chain of life Come down millions of years May we leave you as we found you Without the haunting Mystery still remain. May your nature and your mystery still remain.